Hello, ladies. We would like to welcome you to our Goodness and Gracious podcast. It is our desire for this podcast to help women to grow and be strengthened by taking the Bible and laying out God's plan for our lives. Now, throw in some laundry, and if you have kids at home, send them to their room. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite drink, because it's time for just you and God. Oh, well, and I guess us. Now let's dive right in. Welcome back to Goodness and Gracious. We would like to welcome our guest, Rachel Hines. Thank you, Rachel, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Today, we will begin our series, Far Above Rubies, a Proverbs perspective, an in-depth look at Proverbs 31, specifically verses 10 through 31. Our goal is to really take our time to study and discuss what these scriptures say and mean. So we will be here as long as the Lord leads. We will begin this series with verses 10 through 12. These three verses set the stage for the remaining verses. They describe the who, who is a virtuous woman, whereas the remaining verses will describe the what, what does a virtuous woman do and what does she look like? So let's dive right in. Verse 10 says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. 11 says the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. And 12 says she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Virtuous. We hear this word a lot, but the meaning is simple. Having or showing high moral standards. This is the same word that Boaz used to describe Ruth in Ruth 3.11. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And in Proverbs 12.4, to give contrast, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. This is also exchangeable for the word prudent, as in Proverbs 19.14. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Prudent is simply acting or showing care and thought for the future. People, especially women, desire to be better than others around them. We like to be different or stand out from others. Although there are different degrees of this based on different personalities, it's just something in our fleshly nature. Even Christian women are guilty. We want the latest clothes or hairstyle and are always eyeing up the newest cars or thumbing through the home interior magazines for ideas on how to make our homes look better. This only to me sets us up for failure because we are focused on ourselves and what others think of us instead of what God thinks of us. We have convinced ourselves that this is what sets us apart. What happens? We fail to see the plan, the only plan that will actually make us stand out, be different, and set us apart, not just give us the appearance that we are. Since the verses that we will be picking apart fall at the end of a chapter, at the end of a book on wisdom, we can probably settle on the conclusion that these last 22 verses, full of wisdom, have at least two purposes, one that pertains to women and one that pertains to men. For men, this is designed to be a guide. When searching for a mate, men should use this as a guide for choosing a woman that is pleasing to God. For women, this could be a checklist. It would be and is rare to find a woman who excels in every aspect of the following list of qualities. So it's very important to never use it to compare yourself to other women or to condemn yourself. Um, also, it, it takes God to do all these things. If we try to do them in ourselves and like daily have a checklist of like, okay, am I, you know, doing this? Am I doing this? Check, check, check. 
we'll forget something and then we'll exhaust ourselves. But if we allow God to do it in and through us, one, it's actually possible. And two, we can find joy in it and not be exhausted at the end of the day. Like I said before, we have reached the very end of a book of wisdom. These characteristics would be conducive to a woman that loves and fears God, much like 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, where we can find the listing of characteristics of a godly man in leadership. Just as God places high value on the leadership of his church, he is very particular in describing the qualities that make up a godly wife for the benefit of the husband, but not just the husband. These qualities will be what brings honor to God and ultimately what is going to bring God's blessing to the woman. This makes for a much happier and successful marriage, too. When I thought CJ was the problem and he did all the things that he wasn't supposed to do, he wasn't loving me like he should. Uh, you know, I've seen the faults and the failures of him. God showed me that I was the problem, not necessarily CJ. And then he changed me to see the things that, you know, annoyed me about CJ or the flaws that I found in him. I eventually found to love. And those are the things that now, you know, make me love him more. And, you know, that's a God thing. Only God can do that. Mm hmm. I really like uh, Rachel's testimony here. Um, I had told her earlier in the day that um, she is the the best wife and the the best mother um, I have ever met, and and I truly mean that. She is definitely the picture, uh, the perfect picture of the Proverbs thirty one woman for sure. We should use these characteristics to be constantly examining ourselves to be sure that we are pleasing to God and also that we are ready for the blessing that he has in store for our lives. So verse 10 says, who can find a virtuous woman? This should be our first clue that this type of woman is in short supply. The verse goes on to say, for her price is far above rubies. When something is in short supply, the price always goes up. In 2020, we watched as America cleared the toilet paper shelves bare and then exploited their fellow Americans by selling their supply to them at a ridiculous cost. For a product used to do, well, you know, what it does. It's the same concept, much better product. My question has always been, why did God use rubies instead of diamonds? I mean, diamonds are a girl's best friend, right? Once again, going back to everyone's favorite gossip girl, Google, this is what we found. Large gem quality rubies can be more valuable than comparably sized diamonds and are certainly rare. Fine quality rubies are some of the most expensive gemstones with the record prices over $1 million per carat. This single verse all by itself is the very definition of the better and different that will bring contentment, that won't leave you looking and longing for the latest thing that you believe will set you apart. What does a virtuous woman look like and is it even a reality that I could be that? As we walk through the remainder of Proverbs 31, we will pick up the pieces to the virtuous woman puzzle and put them together. We trust that this puzzle that we put together will be the very foundation that God will use to start building us into the virtuous woman that he designed us to be. As we move on to verse 11, we read, The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. Let's start with trust, per MiriamWebster.com. Trust is assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. Trust is also the characteristic Old Testament word for the New Testament words, faith and belief. It is the rendering of Hebrew words that mean to take refuge in Psalms 2.12, to lean on in Psalms 56.3, and to roll on in Psalms 22.8. 
The loyalty of a man's wife is one of the most precious things to him. The loyalty of his wife frees him of worry and allows him to be what God has called him to be, such as a provider and a spiritual leader. When a wife is loyal, she is trustworthy in all of the following areas. Let's start with the area personally. As a confidant, she is someone who listens and cares about what is going on in his life. Domestically, he trusts that she will care for the home, make sure that things are running smoothly. She will be mindful of the cleaning, laundry, cooking, and seeing that the kids are raised godly and that their needs are cared for. We can find joy in these things, too. Um, I remember, I think I was sick one time or something God showed me. Um, I, or actually, I think the whole family was sick and I was the only one not. And I was just like, you know, why can't someone help me? You know, CJ's not that sick. He can pick up his socks. You know, like they, they're capable of cleaning and doing these things. And God showed me that, you know, it could have been another woman that was cleaning for CJ or taking care of my kids that he wouldn't have placed me in this family. And so now I feel privileged and honored that God chose me to be able to do these things for my family. Correct. I have never understood why these duties have always been frowned upon by women. I mean, yes, housework is, you know, ugh, and we all grow weary of it, but someone must do it. Like Rachel said, there are times I feel like a 31 woman with this and I feel so accomplished and happy to have done the things to help with the house. It's not like on a weekly basis or anything, <laughs> but I, I have had that feeling before and it actually does. It makes you feel really good. Yeah, that's definitely a place that God gives contentment in his plan. Uh, we have, we always frown upon these jobs um, that we have to do um, as if we're better than them or that because we're doing those, these um, things we're lacking, we're doing, we're not doing as important things as what our husbands are doing or what even maybe even other women are doing. But these are the things that he's called us to do. And I'm, I'm like Rachel, I have, I have um, felt you know, I've been angry. We have five adults living in our house. And when the trash is overflowing and I'm seeing that trash and I, I have to take it out. I'm like, why do I have to take this out? I'm just one of five adults that live in this house. Why can't they help? And God started dealing with me on the, on these things and saying, you have the, you know, this is your pleasure. This is, we're not talking about them. We're talking about you. Um, if you would just do these things, um, and not complain about them, then maybe I can work in their lives and then they can see that you're, you know, you're doing these. It's, it's time for them to start doing that. Right. If well. they see you doing that stuff, yep. then they're going to say, oh, wow, maybe I should start stepping yep. up and, you know. And too, with that, when she was talking about um, different women at different times, um, lately there's been other, like a lot of other women in the church, like Jamie and stuff. She's taking on a lot more responsibility in different ministries and I've not been a part of the ministry she's been in, which is kind of weird for us. We're always kind of in the same place. And, you know, I was driving home one day and I was like, God, she's doing so much stuff. What am I doing? And he's like, in your season of life right now, you're home doing what you're supposed to be doing. And, you know, Jamie will come and point in her life where she's going to be doing where I'm at and I will be able to do more ministry. But what, like what God has called us to do and to be is different in different phases of our life as well. Yeah. Agreed. So the third area on the list is socially. A virtuous, trustworthy wife presents herself as her husband's helpmeet everywhere they are. She does not leave any doubt that she is his number one fan and that she supports him in all that he does. Her behavior is unmistakably Christian, and she does not do or say anything that would bring reproach to her husband, her family, and most of all, to God. She lives and sets a godly example to everyone she meets. To comment on this part, um, I have an example of basically bringing a reproach to her husband. Uh, when Gary first started, became when Gary first started um, being pastor of the church, 
some people were basically telling him to his face, it's not going to work because I, as his wife, was not being what I was supposed to be as a Christian. And looking back now, they were very, very right on what they had to say. Um, I wasn't being what I was supposed to be. But through these years of him being pastor, God's worked in my heart and showed me the changes that I need to make to be able to move up to being more of a Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, this is important to do when um, speaking of building him up and, and things, um, you know, we can talk good about our husbands when they're around. Um, that goes against what I want to do and what, like, I don't want him to get a big head. I don't want him to think he's a good person, <laughs> but um, it's good. And it's to show respect for him, for him to see that I do think good of him and that I'm in front of him in front of others, you know, building him up. But two, when we're around a bunch of other women, um, I feel like the, typical conversation is bashing our husbands and talking bad about them. Um, but we, one, we shouldn't be doing it to anyone because if we have something wrong with our marriage, we should be going to our husbands. But when we're constantly tearing down our husbands and joking about how horrible marriage is and how rough marriage is and like, Oh, save yourself. Don't, you know, don't get married and all the jokes we have. Um, a lot of the times they're not meant in, we're not doing it out of anger. You know what I mean? Like we don't feel those things about our marriage, but we just joke about them. But you know, I don't want my kids to think that that's how marriage is. I don't want them to think, oh, well, like, that's the end of your life when you get married. You know, like all the comments we make and jokes. I want my kids to know that marriage is fun. It's God's plan. And it's, you know, one of the best things they can experience. Not that it's, you know, well, that's the end of your life. That's the end of your fun. That's, you know, it's it's a good thing. And so, you know, I'm trying to work on not joking in those ways anymore because um, marriage is God's plan. And it's one of the most amazing things. And I want that for my kids. So if we want the light that's shined on marriage to be bright and to be a good light, um, that's our responsibility to take care of that yeah. um, for our kids and for our grandkids. And, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, um, so we need to be there for one another. You know, if we're having problems with, in an area or we have frustrations, that's what women are, are there for. But I think if we would turn it around and instead of complaining about our husbands, but they're not doing this and they're not doing that. Maybe if we took it and said, um, I'm having a real problem with my right. husband, I'm the problem, right. you know, help. I need your prayer. I need mm-hmm. you to show me, pray for me, guide me in how I can be the wife and the mother that I'm supposed right. to be instead yeah. of turning. And maybe it. ask for advice too. Like yeah. Yeah. what, it, so this is the situation and like, I'm seeing it, my husband's the fault, but like, show me what is like, what am I really doing wrong here? You know, what am I right. faulting in? It's yep. more going for counsel than yeah. it is to be. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the next area is economically. She is careful with finances, being aware of needs versus wants and works with her husband as a team to ensure that balance is maintained between these wants and needs. Sexually, she is conscious of what her role is in helping her husband stay true to God and herself. She also understands the benefits for herself of not denying either of them the joy and pleasure of each other. Her heart and mind are stayed on her husband alone, and in turn, this will create a desire for him only. The next one is spiritually. She not only knows that she is to be submissive to her husband, but she also desires to be. Her goal is not only that she's pleasing to God, but that her husband is pleasing to God as well. She prays and sets an example for her husband to love her as Christ loves the church. She works with her husband to be what God has called them to be by praying, studying, talking, and just spending time with one another. 
when a wife desires and diligently aspires to be faithful to the word of God in all these areas, her husband has no need to worry or wander. He is content with her and does not desire to spoil or take from anywhere or anyone else. Um, this kind of goes along with what I was saying earlier, but um, this one that really hits home for me because God really did a, a work in my life in this um, particular area. Um, you know, I was at a point where I seen all CJ's faults and like he wasn't loving me like Christ loved the church. He wasn't being the godly husband and all the things that he was doing wrong. So I thought, and God worked with me and was like, well, how about, you know, stop looking at his, his list and let's look at your list. And he started working in me, teaching me and showing me how to be submissive. And through that, um, I was submissive and whether God, you know, was working in CJ too, or God opened my eyes, I could see CJ was being the God of that. He was supposed to be the God of man that he's supposed to be and that he was loving me and he is doing these things. Um, but I first had to get in my place that I could see that. One thing, as I was listening to you read, um, the part where it says she works with her husband to be what God has called them to be. So basically if you really understand that it's both of them together, right. like, you know, pastor, is what Gary's role is. Well, I am the pastor's wife. Well, I am supposed to be working along beside of him. Mm -hmm. And my ministry is in the operations Christmas child ministry. He supports me in that. I support him in being a pastor. He supports me in my ministry. And that's how it's supposed to work. We are supposed yeah. to support each other in our ministries instead of tearing down the ministries. Yep. yep, exactly. Making time for everything and recognizing that each one is important. You know, Gary is the pastor of the church. But who's to say that that's more important than what you're doing with OCC mm -hmm. or Tom is the deacon of the church. And, and what's to say that that's more important than what we're doing with the podcast. So uh, it's, it's very hard. You have to train yourself to, to stay on, on point on focus of this is, it's neither one, you know, they both, they both are important. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Let's go to verse 12. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Although the relationship between a man and his wife does require some elbow grease at times, we believe verse 12 speaks of a natural doing good. This will be something that she will not need to work at. It will just be a characteristic of her despite herself. This would be similar to a lost person being saved and then being able to see God working in their life to change their desires. She will set this example for her entire life and be happy to do so. So I really believe uh, that this ties in so well with our last topic, the Titus 2 woman. We rely heavily on the women in our life, and rightly so. The Bible tells us that we are to mentor each other to be there for guidance on these subjects. Um, what, what better mentor for, um, for us than in Proverbs 31 than another woman? Correct. We would never want to give the idea that this will be a smooth sailing kind of trip. But I know, and we all know, that if God calls us to it, he will give us the ability and the resources we need to carry it out. Now, this kind of reminds me of the, the skit guys of the chisel. I don't know if everybody's ever watched that before. If you've ever get a chance to go on YouTube and watch skit guys, do you remember the title of it for sure? Mm -hmm. It's something to do with the chisel. And basically God comes in and chisels away the parts that aren't good to make you be what he wants you to be. And I feel like that's kind of like where this Proverbs 31 is, is heading me. I feel like he's chiseling away at me as we're working through this and seeing, I'm thinking, Oh Lord, you know, not that, not that, you know, and, and he's, well, and it hurts. It's painful exactly. as he chisels away. It, it hurts and it's painful, but the outcome is so much better. Right. You get, you can be so much more happier and find more joy in the things that, everyone else around you is complaining about because God's worked through you. Well, is it not supposed to hurt? 
I mean, right. if it doesn't hurt, then right. what was the purpose of it? You know, yeah. so well, it's a cutting away. You can't you can't have new growth if you don't cut the old stuff away. And and we um, the reason why it hurts is because we want to hold on to those things. We think that they're, we think they're the good things. You know, the things that we think are the good qualities are the things that God is just taking yeah. that chisel yeah. and chiseling them away. You know, you know, Tom is my, my first person that I go to, um, for like, even with writing for the, for the podcast, um, I let him read, you know, this, this, um, set and, um, also going to let him read the second set. And I had to tell him, I had to give him a disclaimer in the, in the beginning of it. Listen, I am convicted about these things just because you're reading these things and, and I'm, and I'm writing them and you're reading them. Doesn't mean that I think that I have attained that I've aspired or whatever Correct. it is, because listen, this is just as much as it is for anybody else. This is for me because I'm like, Oh my goodness, that hurts. Yeah. That hurts. I'm really stinking it up in that area, right. you know, exactly. and, but that's, that's part of his design. That's, that's, what's going to bring contentment to our life is to let go of those things and realize that I've been doing this wrong all along, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe we weren't even doing it wrong all along. Right. We could have been doing it right. We just need to fine tune it a little bit. And it pulls us closer to him because if we were just, you know, if we stayed in the garden of Eden, we were, we stayed a perfect people there wouldn't be a drawing closer to him. We have all these flaws and stuff yeah. because it draws us closer to him. If we were perfect, he wouldn't get the chance to correct us and, and change us that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think that the, the change is good. So I, I know that Renee, you can say, you know, like I had said before, um, who's, it wasn't anybody else's place to say whether it was going to work or not with you and Gary. Um, with him being pastor of the church because you weren't where you were supposed to be. It's not really their place, but God had a plan for you guys. And I think that you can probably look back just as Rachel and I both can and say, no, we weren't what we were supposed to be. But had we not, had we been where we were supposed to be, we wouldn't have, have oh, been yeah. able to feel that closeness to, yeah. of him. That's what he used to draw us closer. And although I wouldn't ever want to be a bad person, a bad wife, a bad mother, I still like to grow, you mm -hmm. know, and there can't be any growth without that cutting away. Right. I, I was speaking to Gary about what our next podcast was going to be, you know, Proverbs 31. I says, for some reason, it's just not coming to me to help write with this one. I says, I'm not sure really what the issue is. I says, I don't know if it's where I'm just not that Proverbs 31 and I should not be even discussing on this because I'm not even there yet. But then I feel like, how else am I supposed to learn and grow if I don't get into the word and dig and see what this Proverbs 31 is really supposed to be meaning? Yeah. And I don't want you to feel alone in that because I'm right there with you. <laughs> That's good. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so I would like you ladies, um, if you would like to, um, you can do a little studying before um, the next podcast. We will be going over verses 13 through 17. Um, and I would also encourage you to share this podcast with other women. Um, we it has definitely been a blessing for us, as you can tell. And also, um, um, I think that it will be a blessing to someone else that you could share it with. We would like to thank our guest, Rachel, for joining us. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And we look forward to her joining us for part two of Far Above Rubies, A Proverbs Perspective. We would also like to thank you for joining us and pray that this is as much of a blessing to you as it is to us.
We thank you for joining us for our Goodness and Gracious podcast. We pray that this was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more information about our women's ministry we have to offer, or you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com women. We hope you will join us next time. And until then, we pray God blesses you with his goodness and gracious.